Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary by moments of grace and peace and redefine what we're talking about. We talk about faith. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning. Welcome to Round Hill Radio. This is so cool. Can I just say? It I, is so great to be here. We're so happy to have you here. This is very exciting. I'm one of those people that I like to have a peek behind the curtain. So I'm just going to say, we've had a whole 20-minute conversation here. I forgot to record. <laughs> I feel so much better about being a human being. I feel extremely human right now. So we're just going to start it off with like a, you know. I'm new. I'm new back again. You're new back again. Yes. We're so happy to have you back. Thank so you. you were here at Round Hill for a, like six or so years. Six years. Early aughts, as they're calling it, I believe. Okay. Yes, from 2005 to 2011. 2011. And now I'm called the Interim Pastoral Associate. I'm So I'm, I'm here on a very limited basis. So mm. I'm four hours of pastoral care a week. Right. Preaching once a month helping with liturgy other times and then yeah. doing a women's retreat that's so exciting yeah. that's such a cool thing november 6th sign yeah. up it's sign up. up it's on the, the website registration's guys. on the website yeah that's exciting self-compassion well which we've been talking about across the board right. it's funny how we keep finding all these like little through threads about it it's we such need a funny it. thing we need it and we are as human beings we're poor at giving it to ourselves right but we can't give it to other people if we don't give it to ourselves that's the thing right it kind of starts there doesn't right. it yes so this experience of coming back, how has that been? It has been so lovely yeah. to meet new people such as yourself. You too. To meet new members, people coming in to check out the church, even in the middle of COVID. Um, and then to renew past relationships, mm-hmm. uh, friends and pastoral relationships. And then also to, to grieve on another level those who are no longer here, yeah. whether they've moved away or who have died. Yeah. But I... I really do love this place. So it worked out perfectly yeah. uh, for me just to come in and, and do some work. I mean, it's been amazing. It's I, I'll speak for myself that it's been such a gift because you have a history in media. I did. Um, it's like God was like, here, you could use some Shannon. <laughs> have some <laughs> That's help. That's too kind. You need some help. And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. No. Um, and so what? So you were in news? So when I was here last time, mm-hmm. I had started in, after my second congregation, which was North Greenwich Congregational Church, I was mm-hmm. pastor there for six years as well. Um, I left and I thought, you know what, the conversation we're having here about being authentically human and real in the world as people of faith, mm-hmm. because I was very much into interfaith relationships at that point too, um, I wanted to take it on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. So I got some training and uh, started behind the camera at CBS News in the religion unit, mm-hmm. and we did four interfaith documentaries a year, That's which so was cool. so interesting. Yeah. And then um, I still wanted to do something on camera. So, you know, that was no less than God, because at age 40, to get into TV <laughs> is like That's unbelievable. Wild. So I, I put together a tape, took it to News 12 Westchester, and lo and behold, the Executive producer happened to be a staunch Episcopalian. Yeah. And he said, you know what? Our religious population is tremendously underserved. So come on in. We'll train you on the job. You can do a full, you know, as a freelancer, mm-hmm. um, full beat. Yeah. And they sent me on, you know, they gave me the opportunity to pitch some religious stories. So I got to do some really cool stories as, as well as the Tabernacle Bridge is very busy this morning, as you can see. <laughs> Hey guys, there's or traffic. It snowed again. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, you know, doing a 4 a.m. to, you know, noon Oof. shift or a 1.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Wow. And doing that sometimes before worship on Sunday morning on yeah. a Saturday night, um, you know, brought a different level of reality to the to my ministry here. Right. And this sort of experience of the whole world. The whole world. Or at least the whole local world. Yeah. As know. I told you the story about going to a... Um, a vigil for a gang member mm-hmm. in Yonkers on a Saturday night right. and then coming here on Sunday morning and realizing those worlds are real for a lot of different people. Right. How do you bring those together? Yeah. So just it that news work made my ministry more real mm-hmm. and it made my news more compassionate. Do you think it shaped what you wanted to do with your ministry or how you expressed yourself? Well, it's interesting. In- I'm ordained in the Presbyterian Church and mm-hmm. the Presbytery actually gave me the designation of ministry in the media. Ooh. Yeah. So they, you know, some people go into church work or, you know, in congregational life. And and for that period of time, that's what they did. So they saw the value of that. And, you know, now we know as you're doing this here, it's Mm -hmm. so important to reach people beyond those who are sitting in the pews. Absolutely. Because so many people either have moved away or they can't get to church Mm -hmm. or, you're reaching a community that will never, you'll never see in person. Right. Right? Yeah. And it's exciting too, because you think about, you know, the kind of theology we have here, mm-hmm. which I like to think of as being very curious. Like we don't pretend to have all the answers, very compassionate, very loving, very welcoming, non-judgmental. that that maybe isn't the truth everywhere. And that right. for someone looking for a like-minded faith experience to what they're feeling in their hearts and they're not maybe not finding it yeah. in a local place that we can welcome them into our community, even if they don't live here. Right. Because, you know, so often, in fact, one of my gigs was working with Auburn Media to train responsible religious voices for TV. Ooh, wow. And. I mean, oftentimes people in, you know, producers will just go to the Rolodex and see who's, you know, and oftentimes they're very conservative voices. So to be able to train people who present a different viewpoint is really important. And, and the word that you're getting out here from this church and the, the spirituality that is more inclusive, Mm -hmm. um, and more open to the ambiguities of life, um, is really important and not always heralded out in media. Right. I mean, the thing that really solidified this, the purpose of what we're doing here is kind of a random uh, connection, but people who are on YouTube a lot will recognize the names Rhett and Link from Good Mythical Morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a podcast called Ear Biscuits, which is a great <laughs> name. Um, but they went through their whole, what they call their spiritual deconstruction, mm-hmm. where they had been raised in a very extreme conservative uh, upbringing. And it had basically, as they went out and had careers that to them, faith, a faith life was no longer possible because to them, it was an either or situation. (laughs) And they were so beautifully vulnerable in sharing this story and so honest, but the whole time they were talking, I was like, there is another choice. There is another, there are communities that don't say you have to believe this, 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 and this in order to be a person of faith and live compassionately. Well, and not only that, but that story that you just told shows you that people can change. Right. Right? 
And so, in fact, that's kind of my story, too. You don't know this, but I grew up as a fundamentalist. Really? Yes, in White Plains, New York. Yes. In fact, it was a Plymouth Brethren church where women were not allowed to speak. No. Yes. No. And yes, it was a literalist congregation. And so I grew up in that. And it wasn't until after undergraduate and a three-year banking career, and I went to live in Japan for a year, that... That all, deconstructed. that all deconstructed. So it's like all of a sudden, I didn't know what to believe because people weren't telling me what I had to believe. Right. And so it all kind of fell apart. And, and that kind of theology yeah. is oftentimes like a house of cards. And mm-hmm. if you pull one piece out, it just there's top, nothing top. to hold it. So I literally kind of abandoned that faith while I was over there as a missionary. As a, <laughs> as a missionary. Yeah, I was teaching English. Wow. In Japan. Mm-hmm. And then I, it, it made me want to come back and go to seminary and think, oh my goodness. So I, you know, I had been anti-LGBTQ before. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the right-wing kinds of right. things that I Right, you sort of take I all heralded. the boxes that you feel like you have to. And then, boom, I, I kind of came back and started questioning then, well, women, I started reading, you know, in seminary, different stories about women in ministry. And I'm like, I never heard that before. Wow. And so it shifted me. So as you as you pulled the card of your faith and, yeah. thing, and the house started tumbling, what? Because to me that feels like you had this experience, and then you're like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to seminary. So if that feels that feels like a leap to me. What happened that prompted that decision? Because that's a big decision it, to go to seminary, especially if your faith is feeling unsteady. Well, it was actually it was the the move was to go i started at fuller theological seminary in pasadena california i was living in north carolina Mm -hmm. at that time and um i went to become a counselor to missionaries because they were leaving the field because they couldn't get along with each other oh so (laughs) so i went and then it was there that this kind of shift about women in ministry kind Mm -hmm. of happened and you know, God can do amazing things in and through us. And there was just a lot of shifting. And yeah. I think that year over there was so, I was so taken with the beauty of the people and the culture mm-hmm. and the fact that according to my theology, all those people were going to hell, but the Japanese people were nicer to me and the Buddhists yeah. than the people that were calling themselves Christians. So mm. it just didn't make sense. So it was, then it was a thing of, okay, so if I don't believe that, right. what do I believe? And I need to learn how to feed myself spiritually. That takes a lot of grit to stick with that instead of just be like, well, guess not anymore. Because <laughs> I feel like that's was... a common thing of people like that to stick with that and and dig and dig and dig is takes a lot of work. It does. But you know, I think that was one of the gifts of that former Christian life Yeah, was the commitment to knowing that God was there. So yeah. if that wasn't it, and I, and I remember learning in seminary that as we grow, mm-hmm. um, if if our images of God don't change along with our emotional selves, yeah. then we lose the ability to tap into it. God, so we kind okay. of grow away from it. So yeah. I had to change along with it. It was so, fr- I remember in one course, yeah. the professor saying, on a scale of one to 10, where's your anxiety level? And I remember thinking, I'm off the charts. Yeah. Because it was about women and men, women in ministry, and right. the, how the scriptures did not say women shouldn't speak. Paul was talking in Timothy about women shouldn't speak now because of what was going on culturally. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, 
<laughs> Rude. So it kind of started a whole feminist journey for me. Yeah. That's, um, it's about justice too. Yeah. And kind of seeing peoples that were not recognized and kind of looking at things, a social justice journey. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm thinking about that experience for you in, in seminary of looking at, looking around and being like, okay, so my, what I've been told of who God is doesn't seem to align with what my heart is telling me and what say they're Christian. And I just, that, that the fact I st- I'm stuck on this, the fact that you stuck with it and that you went through it instead of tapping out. And so, what a gift that is now to the world that you have mm, continued to do that. And now that's, that's a ministry for you. Well, you know what? A, a colleague of mine once said, you can either go through seminary or have it go through you. <laughs> and so if, if you are not being torn up and, right. you know, and that's why you really have to kind of go away and do it. It makes it, it's yeah. really hard to do it in the midst of things right. that, you know, we're shaped and changed by the things that we learn. And it would be one option would be just mm-hmm. to go through and say, okay, I'm learning this stuff and have it be in your head versus right. having it trickle down to your heart and having it break open yeah. your heart. Yeah. Because my experience is that more progressive churches have hearts that are broken open. There's a big vulnerability there, right? Total. That, that's what struck me because so through my, in my graduate school experience, the, the Institute of Sacred Music is part of the seminary yes. program. So we had lots of common classes. Like I took a preaching class, you know, like you, and Ooh. that really was, does Ed know this? Don't look at me. <laughs> um, I learned enough to know that's not my ministry. <laughs> As she, this is great. I have to tell you, this is so funny. There's a interior, uh, interior designer. Her name is Shavonda Gardner. Mm-hmm. Who I follow on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she has this saying when there's something that she's just, it's, she's not good at and she knows that. So she'll hire it out. She says, that's not in my ministry. <laughs> I've just started using that now. I'm like, can I say that? Can I use that for the dishes? Like, that's not my ministry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I digress. I digress. But going back to this idea, there's there's a, a vulnerability and honesty that is so disparate from other, some other faith experiences where a minister will be almost this like omniscient, uh-huh. like know everything nonsense is my opinion um but that's that's the thing i love about what we're doing here because none of us are ever pretending we know everything oh my goodness oh my goodness you know my last congregation and and i was sober when i was here Mm. but my last congregation the first sermon that i preached and i was in wilton for eight and a half years and i just the first time i just said okay so i've been sober 20 years and here's a little bit of my story and people were like huh what and i'm like we're going to do this authentically. We're yeah. going to, you're going to see that I'm a human being. Right. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to put myself on a pedestal and don't you dare put me up on one. Right. And people started coming up to me and saying, I drink too much. And I'm like, I'll take you to an AA meeting. Wow. You know, let's do that. So it's, everybody has their stuff. Right. If we aren't able to own that with each other, then we're, we're not doing ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a whole other way of looking at ministry and I think it's so fascinating to, I think, you know, there's something about this thing where we, people aren't people anymore mm-hmm. if they have a certain job and this real humanity that you bring to it and that everyone here brings to it. I think, you know, this is not, um, I mean, Ed's great about that too, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. He's approachable. As, as yeah. someone said, Ed's very user-friendly. <laughs> 
it's true. It's true. I I really like what I see in him and what I hear in him. He's sane, which is (laughs) not. It's saying a lot, friends. We are grateful. Senior pastors are saying, but no, he's he's very approachable, and that's that sets the tone for what's acceptable in a congregation. Well, and just the vision of, I mean, we wouldn't have any of this digital ministry without him being at least agreeing to it, if not spearheading it. Right. And the leadership saying, yes, that's where we want to go to. Yeah. And seeing that that is, I mean, the church will never be, the church, big C church, Mm -hmm. uh, the church worldwide will never be what it was. It's just, it's shifting as we speak. And that's, we can't cling to the past. We have to continue opening up. And that's scary for a lot of people. So just to acknowledge that piece Mm -hmm. and then to adapt in new ways like this. This is incredible. How do you think COVID has affected Big C Church? In a lot of ways. For some people, it's made them more entrenched in their, you know, Mm -hmm. in the fear. Mm -hmm. So you've got the rise of some congregations where it's more on the right. Mm -hmm. Um, For others, it's, you know, the loneliness and the disconnection of not being able to gather in person for so long has been really painful. And for others, they've kind of said, hmm, this is a new way I like to experience church online, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, and then others have just have, have reached out. I mean, the, the committee here at the church reached out in so many different ways to people who were alone. Um, And so, you know, I think there was a real longing because church is about community, right? Right. And so if people had to put the in-person community aside for a while, there was either ways that people adapted Mm -hmm. to new ways. I mean, I've heard people say, oh yeah, I went to church in four different places today (laughs) because they were able to visit four different congregations. I mean, bless them. Right. Just getting through one service is enough for me. But, um, you know, um, for churches that were able to pivot online, as you all did, and as we had, we did in Wilton, mm-hmm. um, and those folks held some folks. But I think it was a really, it was a, a time for potential deepening. I mean, there was a yeah. lot of loss, yeah. whether it's loss of people mm-hmm. um, who died mm-hmm. or people who lost a sense of feeling belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the tasks, I think, as we come out of this is to help people process that grieving. Yeah. I remember when things, well, it looked like things were opening back up again. Yeah. That was for for me very scary. Yeah. I felt very unnerved because I felt like adjusting to that to the quarantine world was very difficult as a as an extrovert. Right. Struggle. Um and so I've sort of felt like okay, I've now gotten in the groove and I feared the transition back. Yeah. And then, you know, as a person who's a planner, then to go, oh, we're opening. Oh, we're not opening. Oh, we're, uh, uh, uh. And the back and forth for me is, it's not, not my comfort zone. I'm trying, I'm learning how to ride it. <laughs> and the, so I'm going to put in a pitch for praying for your pastors right now. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and for your musicians, because this past year, I mean, I was head of a congregation that was, you know, 280 people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was exhausting. Yeah. And so... People coming out now and having to kind of shift back into adjusting. Right. Pray for Ed. Pray for Leslie. Pray for pastors pray for around right. to um, have a renewal of energy because yeah. it's 
I mean, a lot of people have left ministry altogether. Yeah. Uh, after COVID or Big have left changes, positions. Right? I mean, I left my position there. Right. Um, I mean, we had in, in our congregation in Wilton, 500 families out of a town of 18,000 that moved because so many people were coming up from New York City and offering amazing prices oh, for the yeah. houses. So yeah. that meant people left the congregation, right? right. So that's exhausting for pastors. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you had some of that here in Greenwich too. Oh, yeah. so. A lot of changeover. I don't, know where, I don't know where to go from there. I but I think it's, you know, it's such an, it's, there's so much. So I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time today. Thank you for having me. I have a sneaky suspicion. I would, if you'll be on here more, because I'm going to demand it because you're amazing. <laughs> and I just love talking to you. And thank you for being so vulnerable and open and honest in our conversation today. I know that's have to, that's how you roll, <laughs> which I really just respect that so much. Thank so you. Thank you so much, Shannon. And thank, thank you, you for all sharing. for watching or listening to Round Hill Radio brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. We'll see you back here next week.